Hey, if you're new here, uh, welcome to Church on the Rock. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, this is Joey. He's our youth ministries director right now. Uh, if you'd like to uh, connect with us, get in touch with us, and hear uh, more about uh, ministry opportunities for your growth here at Church on the Rock, uh, what you can do is right after the service, if you make your way over to this table over here, uh, they have a gift for you. The gift actually comes from overseas, from a ministry that we're a part of uh, over there. And uh, along with that gift will be some information about our church and how you can connect with uh, opportunities for your own growth. Um, that's sort of the practical side of getting connected, but I want to let you know uh, if this is your first time here this morning, uh, there's a promise that we hold uh, to so tightly uh, here at Church on the Rock, and that is the promise that anytime we gather together in God's name, uh, he sends his spirit to do something unique when we're together. Um, we all have his spirit with us wherever we go, and yet the word says that he sends his spirit in a special way when we come together in his name. And so the God of the universe, your creator, uh, your eternal father has sent his spirit to speak to you now in this time and in this place. Mm-hmm. And it's our prayer every week uh, as we get together as a staff uh, that you would have open hearts to, to hear from him. Uh, so welcome to you. Uh, this morning, one of the ways you're going to hear from him is through our good friend, uh, Skip Bowersox, who's bringing the word this morning. So I'll go ahead and invite Skip up. That's right. Give it up for Skip. Oops. I'm going to hand this to you. You can go ahead and put that in. Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you? Good. Are you in disbelief about the August thing? It seems like it's come fast. That it's here? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Well, let me pray for you. I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is like simple, simple, but, but uh, at least for me, in the, in the couple weeks leading up to this message, it had been real, just life-giving, just yeah, sweet, yeah. Spe- special. Right. So I, I should tell everyone, we're doing just a three-week series. We've mm-hmm. actually just wrapped up our Old Testament study. Yeah. We're making a transition into the New Covenant, um, but we're taking three weeks to look at a couple of key passages in the Old Testament that talk about the coming, uh, both the coming Messiah and the coming new covenant. I'm really looking forward to my piece. Uh, We have uh, Edson, Dr. Knapp will be sharing uh, one of those as well. So let me pray for you and we'll jump in. Sounds great. Thanks. God, I do thank you for Skip and for the the gift that you have given him, teaching uh, for our benefit, for our strengthening. Um, God, I know that he has been uh, diligent in his study. I pray that we would match that diligence as listeners. That we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word. Uh, we commit this time to you. We open our hearts to you. And we ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. So there's a lot of things, and you know this, on Sunday morning that at Church in the Rock, there's a lot of things that we say every, every week, right? A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of repetition, just the way, the way we roll, right? Um, you, can, you, you can always expect to hear certain things like the declaration or, or Aaron will say something about us experiencing God here, right? And uh, so I, I, I don't want to uh, just kind of, what I'm about to say is that uh, uh, but it's not just a repetition, it's the point of the day, the point of the message, and here it is. Are you ready? 
What I want to say today is that you can have a personal experience with God, right? That you, every one of you and I, we can personally encounter the one true living God in the context of our own lives and of our, whether, we, whether we've got it together or whether we don't, uh, and whatever the situation may be, you can know and experience God today. We call that the good news. I'm not talking about a, a, a kind of a self-actualized, uh, kind of a customized experience of God where you get to be the one who calls the shots, where you get to create a God experience that, that suits your interests and needs. No, I'm talking about uh, uh, the kind of, uh, an actual personal uh, experience with the Lord, where God, as he is, enters into your life and situation, and you interact with him there. Uh, I'm talking about uh, something, an experience that is personal. It's, it's unique to you. Um, it's something that is intimate to you. It's personal. It's something that belongs to you. You ever walk into a room, and, and, and uh, hopefully not, but maybe even this morning, church seems to be the kind of place where this happens. If you've ever walked into a room and said, you know, I had hoped to belong to this experience, but I'm not sure I actually belong in this experience. You ever been there? And what I would say this morning is that that is not the encounter that the Lord is inviting you to. He is inviting you to an experience of him that you belong to, okay? You can have a personal experience with God, an ongoing lifestyle of experiencing God in personal ways. You know, when I was young, and my mom would read me these Bible stories, right? As I was going to bed, we had this big, huge book with gold edges on the outside, right? And these old paintings of, of uh, you, you know, of, of the Bible stories, and she would read the story to me. Um, when she would read these stories to me, and I always wanted an experience with God like that. I was anticipating, as a young man, experiencing God like David did with Goliath, right? That I would pick up a stone and, and be able to have the capacity to have an experience like that where I would rescue the whole nation with one stone. An experience with God like the one Moses had when he's got two million people behind him and he walks up to the water's edge and there's nowhere to go and the Lord says, just keep going, right? <laughs> and so he puts his toe in the water and whoosh, I mean, you guys saw the movie, right? The water splits and there's this wall and Moses just walks through that water. When I was young, I was anticipating and hoping for an experience with God on that scale. But now that I'm older, I realize, um, and actually to, to my great pleasure and relief, uh, I'm, I'm discovering that the experiences of God are more often very small, quiet, simple, uh -huh. Uh, a reminder of something that's valuable, uh, a nudge towards confession, right? Uh, 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 an, an empowerment, not, not a huge empowerment, right? But just enough empowerment to do the next right thing. Those simple, small experiences of the Lord 
personal to me. Him and I enjoying each other. Sweet fellowship. It's gold. (laughs) And you can have a personal experience with God as well. I have these, um, these expectations of what an experience with God might be like. And sometimes, quite honestly, uh, this morning as we sing the song, uh, you know, all these things, I will dance, I will, I forget what the other ones were, but I, I just know that one because as I'm singing it, I realize, no, 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 I'm, no I'm not doing that one. <laughs> but I will, I'll do other things because God is good. And honestly, when we sing God is good songs, quite honestly, uh, often when we get to that part where God is good and I have to stop and think, you know, there's people in this room who probably are finding it difficult to say, God is good to me, right? Because it doesn't always feel like he's good to us. The reality is, we have no idea how good he's been to us. The reality is, we have no idea how good he intends to be towards us and for eternity, right? Uh, But it doesn't always feel that way. And the reason is often because I have these expectations of what an experience with God would look like. Um, but sometimes my expectations are, are based off of just really uh, things he's never promised. Right? And what I love about this passage that, that I've been assigned this morning, Jeremiah 31, is that this prophet Jeremiah will describe for us the, uh, the experience, at least in part, uh, it's not, obviously it's not a complete description, but he will describe for us, at least in part, the experience with God that we can anticipate, that we can expect and look for, right? I want to tell you this morning um, that uh, generally at Church on the Rock, uh, the, our, our messages, we, we move We move fairly quickly towards the scripture and unpack the scripture throughout our time together. But this morning, I'm actually going to wait towards the, closer to the end to to reveal the scripture. I just want you to know that, that it's coming. And of course, uh, everything I'm going to say up to that, I believe, is based on the scripture. And um, we can talk about that later if 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 you want, okay? God says, I'm, I'm making myself available to you to, for a personal experience with me in this life and the next. And the context of that experience, here's how you're going to experience me. You're going to experience me in the context of covenant. A covenant is not a word that we use a whole lot in our own culture. We do here at Church on the Rock. We, every, every October, we talk about the covenant Sunday where we where we make an agreement together as a church family towards, uh, towards the, the mission that Joey talked about already this morning. Uh, but a covenant is uh, an agreement. It's a, it's, a, it's a partnership. It's a commitment for two parties that are going to come together for a desired goal. And the two parties are coming together. They are committing to each other. And they are committing to the extent that, uh, that understanding that this commitment will require their whole lives. Not necessarily their whole, the whole time of their lives, but will require of them their life. 
And so they say, I'm bringing my life to the table. Are you bringing your life to the table? And if you are, together we will make this commitment and we will pursue this, this shared purpose, this shared vision. And so God says, uh, I'm making a covenant with every one of you. I'm bringing my own life to the table for the shared goal, the shared purpose of having this life experience together, a covenant. And this commitment in this experience is necessary. Uh, it's necessary because of the, uh, the kind of the, the march of time. Um, this commitment with God, but also these covenant, these other covenants that we make. The commitment piece of that covenant is necessary because time moves on. And uh, we feel differently about the commitments we make after we make them. Have you ever noticed that? Um, uh, the, the, the commitment of a covenant is necessary so that we stay in the experience even if one of us loses interest in the experience. Uh, often, probably, probably in our own culture, probably a more common covenant that we are familiar with would be marriage, right? And so, on the wedding day, it's very exciting. The bride is beautiful, she's, uh, she's glowing, right? She's very excited about this. The groom is feeling very proud, and uh, he can't wait, and he's just so excited to be able to take this woman into his home, and she will be his, and, and they have this shared vision of a, of a life together. It's all just very exciting. Um, but it doesn't always stay that way. I, uh, uh, a couple Fridays ago, I came home, and we have a Sabbath tradition. I've described that for you, I think, in the past. And it's been a very busy couple of weeks for me, a lot of work and um, getting ready for our trip and everything. I came home and came to the table. They were all, all the family was all set. The candles were there, and our dinner was ready. And I, I, I walked up to the table, and I noticed that my wife had an open bottle of wine there at the table. I said, oh, must have been a rough day for you. And she says, no, we're celebrating. Oh, what are we celebrating? That's our anniversary. Oh. <laughs> T today. Great. Of our marriage. Ah. You know, the, the fact is that often the covenant is made with great enthusiasm. But it, that enthusiasm sometimes wanes in the march of time. And so there's a commitment that must be made so that we stay true to the goal even when the, uh, the emotions of it ebb and flow. Same with a, a mortgage, right? If you've, ever, if you've ever bought a home, it's very exciting. And then maybe buyer's remorse or a couple years down the road, you discover that you're house poor, right? That the, that the mortgage is actually more than you can manage in addition to all the other stuff that you want to do with your money. And so, so you maybe regret the mortgage. And the bank has said, well, wait, 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 wait. Just because you regret it today doesn't mean you are not still accountable. <laughs> I mean, we made a deal. Uh, and you may not be feeling it right now, but you're going to continue to pay, right? This covenant is necessary because there are some things that we commit to that uh, are worthy of enduring the endless march of time 
and the ebbs and flows. Some things deserve that kind of commitment to stay true to them. They endure. Um, Yesterday, I needed some, you guys will appreciate this, I needed to stare at a screen. Do you know what I mean? I, I just got a lot on my mind, and I just wanted to, like, look at a screen for a while. And so I went to see the, the movie yesterday. Uh, it's playing at the theater here, and it's basically, the movie is a, it's basically like a celebration of the, uh, the, the enduring uh, contribution of the Beatles to our culture, right? Some good, good music there. And one of the things I didn't expect when I went to see that movie was uh, the crowd I'd be watching that movie with. Uh, I mean, if you don't believe that the, uh, the Beatles is enduring um, and through a, a long period of time, I mean, the, the, the theater was filled with, well, let's just put it this way. I was, I was very definitely the youngest guy in the room. <laughs> As I was waiting in line for my ticket, all four of the people in front of me were asking for the senior discount. <laughs> uh, it was endear- it was, uh, uh, the Beatles had endeared through uh, several generations now. And I mean, uh, well, Shelley, you can vouch for me. You were there. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Uh, but, but she was there in the crowd. Yep. Yeah. So there are some things that in, in dear, endure through time, and they are worthy of commitment to hold us true to that shared goal. You know, there was a time before the ink pen, and how people made, today, if we were making a covenant, we sign on the dotted line, but there was a time when there was no ink pen, and so people had to come up with other creative ways to make a covenant. And I think that some of those ways kind of show us even, even, even more the essence of what a covenant is. In the scripture, there's a story about Abraham who makes a, a, a covenant, a commitment with his, uh, his servant. The servant isn't named, but Abraham's concern is that there's been this promise made to him that he would be a, a father and grandfather of many nations, right? And, uh, and yet, his, his son is still uh, single. He's, no, he's not yet married. And so Abraham calls his servant and he says, I need you to go find my son a wife. Um, and, I, and because my family is unique, because my family is tied up in this promise of God, not just any woman will do, but we need a particular kind of woman from a particular family, from a particular place, and we need her to leave all of that behind and come to where we are because we are tied up in this promise of God that's happening right here. So promise me, make a covenant with me that you will find me this particular kind of girl and bring her here for my son to marry before I die. And I want you to understand, my servant, uh, I want you to understand that this, this is not just about me, but this is about my generations and so he told the servant, he said, I want you to come and we're going to make a covenant. I can't have you sign on the dotted line, but I want you to put your hand on my inner thigh, right? And I want you to make this promise to me. It's kind of a strange ceremony there, but he was basically making that connection. You are tied up with the generations. 
You, I'm bringing you into the experience that I'm going to have. We are going to have a shared experience of perpetuating the promise of God into the next generation. There's another story about um, a man by the name of Boaz, an older gentleman who had never married before, and he, he had this opportunity to marry this cute little foreigner from, uh, from Moab, and uh, uh, a single woman who was actually a, a, a widow. And uh, he says, I have this opportunity to marry her, but in our culture, there's one other man who has the opportunity to take that, to take, take, uh, take that opportunity first. In other words, uh, I have to get permission to marry Ruth from this other guy, right? Uh, I forget his name. So he goes to the man and he says, I want to marry Ruth, but you have the right to do it. Can we make a deal where I could marry her instead of you? And so the deal was, uh, the man said, sure. He says, we're going to swap sandals. No weak pan available, so I'm going to give you my shoe, and you're going to take, uh, and I'm going to take your shoe, or, you know, they're going to switch shoes as a way of saying that I'm going to join you in your experience. Uh, we are going to, uh, we are going to walk in each other's path. Right? And so then there's, there's no ink pen available to make this covenant. And so what is, excuse me. <laughs> now I've exposed my bald spot and everything. Okay. Uh, what's, being, what make, what's made clear here in the way that they create these covenants is that the idea of covenant is a commitment to a shared experience. We're going to move forward together and experience this together. And so the Lord says, I'm making a covenant with you, mankind. I am joining in your experience. I'm going to make myself consequential to you so that we might move forward together in living out this experience of God and man. You know, as you read through the Old Testament, there is this sequence of covenants. The Lord is, is not quick to make these covenants. There's really over, over a period of a couple thousand years, there's only five real covenants that we, that we talk about. First one is a covenant with Noah, where he, he says, uh, I'm going I'm to put a rainbow in the sky and I'm going to make this promise to you. I will never again destroy all of humanity through a flood. I'm going to, I'm going to, I am committing to living out this human experience with mankind. I'm not going to wipe them out again. Later, he makes a covenant with Abraham, uh, the, the man I was just telling you about, the, the hand in the inner thigh guy. He says, uh, Abraham, I'm making you a promise. I'm entering into this covenant. The covenant is, is this. I am going to bring life out of your dead body. I'm a God of life. I often use death to bring about life, and I'm going to do that with you, Abraham, you and your family. Not only that, Abraham, but I'm also going to bring you to a, a place of rest, a land of peace. And I'm bringing you to a land of peace, but it's not just about a, a piece of earth. I'm actually, uh, it's, it's a foreshadowing of a, of, a, of a rest that I will provide for you and your descendants. Many years later, uh, the Lord makes another promise to Abraham's descendants, the people of Israel. 
And he does this through Moses. He says, hey, I'm going to make you a new covenant. And this time there's, some conse- there's some, uh, something required of you. Here's the covenant. I'm going to make myself known to you. And you will, you will reflect my character and my glory. And if you choose not to reflect it, you will be punished. You will be disciplined. You will be judged. But if you choose to accurately reflect my character, then you will be blessed for that. You will know the blessing uh, of, of acting in the ways that I act. And many years after that, he made another covenant. This time with Israel's king, probably the more popular king, David. And the covenant was this. He said, David, I've chosen you. One day you will have a great, great, great grandson who will be the Messiah. He will be the anointed, worshipful king of the world. And this is my covenant to you. And so there's this, this sequence of covenants. I want to make something, something very clear about this sequence of covenants. The Lord does not make a new covenant because the old one was a bad idea. It's not replacing the covenant in the past. It is, a, it is a greater revelation of it, a greater understanding of it. I don't understand this experience God is wanting from us. He, all he said is that he will have this experience with us through the Noah covenant. And then Abraham comes along and, and God clarifies that a little bit. And then Moses come, comes along and God clarifies that experience even a little further. And then David comes along, and God clarifies that a little more. You need to know this morning that the new covenant that is fulfilled by Jesus' death on the cross, the, the, the new covenant is, covenant is not plan D. It has always been plan A. It has been the, the, the intention of God from the very beginning to sacrifice himself so that he might walk with you. Yes, we have fallen from, uh, from God's glory. Yes, we have sinned against him. He knew we would. He has made provision from that from the very beginning. The scriptures say that from the foundations of the earth, Christ is crucified. Plan A, there has not been a mistake that he did not already provide for. All right? So you are invited into an experience where God says, uh, Uh, I want to walk with you, and it will require death, and I will provide the death. I myself will be the sacrifice who will go to the cross so that we might have this shared experience. These covenants serve as a, a progressive revelation of what that walk with the Lord will look like, a clearer understanding of the God experience that is available to mankind. And so Jeremiah, understanding all this, he says, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking through him as a prophet, and he says, I anticipate, I see being carried on by the Holy Spirit, I see a day when there is a, a new covenant, right? I see a day coming when there will be a fresh revelation of what God is looking for in, his, in this shared experience with mankind. Jeremiah grew up in a time where he saw in his lifetime these covenants tried and failed on our end. Right? 
Not long before Jeremiah was born, there was a king, a very wicked king in Israel named Manasseh. And Manasseh was uh, um, just this terrible, terrible, terrible guy. You would have never expected that he grew up in, in uh, Jewish Sunday school, right? He, he just was so obstinate to the ways of God, so anti. In fact, the story describes him uh, sacrificing his son to a pagan god. Uh, can you imagine that? The king of Israel sacrificing his own son to a pagan god in a, in a very gruesome way, sacrificing him through fire. And this, uh, uh, this very wicked king had done everything he could to destroy every semblance of a godly nation in Israel. Um, his son, after his death, his son grew up and was not uh, a lot better, but he certainly didn't have the capacity to be much worse. Uh, but he had a son. He died. His, uh, I forget his name now. Manasseh's <laughs> son died young, and his own child became king, um, King Josiah. And the King Josiah, this very young kid, had a heart to see the worship of God restored, but had no experience of it. And as he did what he could to rebuild this religious experience of worshiping God as he was reforming uh, uh, the, the worship of God and as he was actually restoring the temple itself, they made a discovery. Um, they discovered something that had been lost for a long time. In the rubble of the temple, they found the book of Deuteronomy. You know, uh, uh, years ago, um, in 2001, I believe, uh, it was a September morning, September 11th, and I sat in my office in Sturgis, Michigan, Youth for Christ, and uh, learned of a horrific event, right? Do you remember it? Of course you do. It changed everything, didn't it? A few years later, I was mentoring this real young kid, and uh, we were talking about, I was talking about 9-11, and uh, I forget how that came up, but uh, I remember him saying to me, did that, did that really happen? And I thought, yes, it really happened. <laughs> what are you talking about? It became one of those events, right, that, that shaped our experience. We all go back to that. Uh, it, it, it shaped what it means to, uh, to travel, certainly, but even to, to be an American. This is one of those events for the nation of Israel. Uh, an event, finding the book of Deuteronomy changed everything for the nation. Uh, this book is opened, discovered and opened and, then, and Jeremiah began to read about the worship of God and it became popular again to, to worship God according to his decrees in the book of Deuteronomy. Everyone was in on it. Everyone was excited about it. Everyone was motivated to once again follow the Lord according to his standard, according to his law. Uh, again, when I was a kid, I remember watching on TV, regular TV, and we had, uh, uh, they were selling the Bible called, it was called the book. Does anyone remember the book? And the, no? Anybody? 
couple of you, Patty does, yeah. And, and the commercial was, was the Bible and it was, was all these celebrities who had been reading the Bible, people you would have never guessed were reading the Bible, had a Bible in their hand and, and that was the, the marketing strategy because at that time it was cool to be religious. And so Jeremiah was born at that time and he as a young man watched uh, King Josiah bring about this great reform where everybody was excited again about following the Lord. And as Jeremiah got older, he watched that 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 reform had enough time to wax and wane. And before too long, nobody was excited about following the Lord anymore, but they were religious about obeying those commands. Do you see the difference? They were acting out the laws of God, but they were not experiencing the presence of God any longer. And Jeremiah watched this transformation happen. And in that context, uh, he prophetically says, I see a day when there will be a new covenant. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 31, verse 31. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here it is. You ready? This covenant's going to be different than the first covenant. And here's how it's going to be different. I will put my law within them. I will, I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Great passage. Jeremiah says, it's about to be a fresh revelation of the experience that God desires to have with mankind, mankind. Uh, a, a new covenant. Not replacing the old in, in the sense that the old have no more, uh, uh, that, that there's no point in looking at them, but it's the next, it's the next uh, clarity, it's the next, it's the next experience that we are going to have with the Lord. There's just a couple of things that I want to highlight from that passage. Jeremiah says, it's not like the old covenant. This new covenant will be written in their hearts. It's not about rules. It's not about catechism. This new covenant is about worshipful affections. It's about value. It's about sacrifice. He says it's not going to be written on a stone tablet. Do these things, check them off, and you're good. It's going to be written on their hearts where it will be constantly, the character of God remains the same, but the application of that character will be personal. 
that you will be carried on by the Holy Spirit. Not a book you continue to run to, not a tablet or a memorial that you continue to look at, but an actual presence of God in you, leading you, speaking to you, whispering in your ear, this way, that way. It will be in your hearts. Jeremiah says, this new covenant will be different. You will not know about the Lord. You, you, will, you will know the Lord. And of course, uh, he says that the, you won't need a teacher to teach you. And of course, you know, I, I take issue with that as a, as a teacher. Uh, all of a sudden, I lost my job here. No, they, no there's still value, of course, in, in learning from each other. But what he's saying is you can have the experience of God. You can know God yourself. And a teacher will only help you add to your understanding of this experience, but you will know the Lord. You will not, you will not, uh, you will not just have Moses' experience or Abraham's experience, but you will have your own experience with the Lord, your own experience of dependence on the Lord. The, uh, the quiet, sustaining joy of knowing that the Lord is with you, speaking to you, directing you, committed to you. You'll know the Lord. And this covenant will be new because he will remember your sins no more. The distance that you and I keep putting between us and the Lord because of all the ways that we fall short. That distance is bridged. There is no distance. <laughs> In fact, I would say it's inappropriate for us to put that distance there again. That distance being bridged has been completely paid for and at great price, the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? How dare we say, no, I'm not good enough uh, to Jesus on the cross. And he says, I know you're not. I gave my life so that you might have this experience. Don't waste this gift. Forget your sin. It's resolved. Would you please, with all your sin, Come to the cross and know me. I'm right here. I'm ready to be experienced. I have made every provision for you to walk with me. There is nothing, nothing that can keep you from me anymore. Know me. Every provision is made. It's all ready. All you have to do is depend on it and step into it and enjoy this experience, this experience that has been purchased by my blood. The distance, the distance is bridged. So here's my question for you. The worship team can come forward. Here's my question to you. Jeremiah said, the time is coming. There'll be a day in the future when the, the new covenant will be a thing, right? When, when, when the, the greater revelation of how we can walk with the Lord and know the Lord will be a reality, it will be provided for. The time is coming. 
And of course, that was a long time ago that he said that. Today, we don't say that anymore because it's in the past. This is the time. Provision has been made. The new covenant is fulfilled. God has made the promise and he has kept the promise. Jeremiah waited for the new covenant. What are we waiting for? There's nothing more to wait for. (laughs) For you and I to have a personal experience with God. God is available. The vow has been made. The vow has been kept. You can know him in ever-increasing ways, and it can begin today. If this morning you have never trusted Jesus as your, uh, as your, your, your provision for walking in peace with God, this is the day. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's you in a very genuine way without being manipulated. Just you deciding and saying, dear Jesus, I need you and I accept your gift. And today, I'm beginning this experience with God at rest and in peace, believing my sins are forgiven. And if you have known him in the past or even now, and you sense that there is a distance there, it's unnecessary. Turn to the Lord. Trust Jesus' death to make that provision. And begin again, afresh, simple, 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 to experience the Lord even in this, in this moment. Would you stand? We have a number of ways to respond this morning. There's the, covenant, the, uh, the communion tables around the room. There's offering receptacles around the room. Of course, we're going to worship. I want to remind you today, too, there's a special opportunity. Uh, the elders uh, are going to be across, over to the side, and they would be glad to pray with you. If you would like to pray about what we talked about this morning or really anything else at all, uh, they, would, they would be glad to experience the Lord with you. Uh, over there. You're certainly welcome to go take advantage of that. All right. Lord bless you. Let's worship. The, there we are. The Apostle Paul says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and we all, with no barrier between us and the Lord, get to, uh, get to see the glory of the Lord in ever-increasing ways. That becomes our experience. And as that becomes our experience, we are transformed in ever-increasing ways. This is the new life that he has invited us to, that he has made every provision for. It's your gift. It's the good news. Uh, I just hope you're enjoying that. I just hope that you're, you're not adding distance to it. There's just no need that you would uh, make that your experience, even now even this moment, even in the midst of whatever you got going on, all right? Well, the Lord bless you.
It's been a joy to be with you this morning. And I just want to remind you, if you're able to hang out with us and help tear down, we always appreciate that. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We'll catch you later.